Okay. Are we ready then? Bone saw is ready. <laughs> oh my god. I was ready until I heard that. Yeah. Um, I'm ready, brother. You're, you're fired, Mike. <laughs> I'm sick of having to come with something clever every week. Fuck it. Uh, joined this week by Mike, the one true Ben, Wookie, and today um, our topic after the week's news and spoiler of the week is cliches and tropes and tropes that while and what, what I want us to focus kind of on cliches that are cliched but we still love them. Um, what's Neil drinking tonight? Guinness. That is a cliche, so congratulations. Yeah. It's because it's the best of beer, in my opinion. It's a stout. Well, actually, it's not. I, actually, I can think of other beers that I like more, but those beers are more expensive. So, it's the best of best beer. everyday beer. Yeah, it's the best cool. of beer that I can afford. Because I really like, like, Dragon's Milk, uh... Cream Stout or Old Rasputin Imperial Stout, but those are like twelve dollars a four yeah, pack. They sound expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is funny because that's the opposite of vodka. The fancier the vodka, the less expensive it yeah. is, and the shittier it is. Yeah, they're like twelve dollars a four pack, <laughs> and they're really great. But they're twelve dollars a four pack, whereas Guinness is like eight dollars a six pack. So you know, another cliche is the air conditioner is running. Um, because it's hot, sue me. Dog days of August. Um, except it's, it's September. September. <laughs> Cliche. Come but on. yeah. Um, okay, so it's the cat days of September. <laughs> Alright, so, um, this week in Geek News, what do we have news-wise? It's newsworthy of newsing. I, I can't remember his name, but the $6 million man died. Lee Majors. That guy. That's the one. That's a shame. Yeah. I guess they didn't have the technology to rebuild him. Not this time. <clears throat> I think that might be in poor taste, and I don't care. <laughs> Let's see. Um, we got casting news for Luke Cage. Um, Shade's, uh, Shade's right-hand man in uh, Seagate, um, a.k.a. Comanche, is going to be returning in um, season two of Luke Cage. Which is kind of cool. And of course we've got Punisher later this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Orville starts this coming week. That's the, uh, it's the that's the Seth MacFarlane uh, Star Trek ripoff, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a little bit of a featurette on it. Um, well, it's supposed to be comic. Mm-hmm. It is actually taking its taking its story kind of seriously. That reminds me of other news I heard. Um, <clears throat> apparently, the new Star Trek web show is going to be rated TVMA. Are we talking Discovery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. They're going where no Star Trek television series has gone before. They don't have the restrictions of uh, network TV. Right. Mm-hmm. That will be interesting. 
streaming. So the final frontier. So you know, um, the Star Trek captain who isn't Kirk can we actually can see the green tits of the alien chick he's banging. And so can we. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, speaking of cliches, that's the cynic in me. Speaking speaking, speaking of cliches, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the alien that Kirk must bed so yeah. that an important goal can be accomplished. Or you know the mountain in the case of one movie. That's horrifying. <laughs> well, no, in uh, Star Trek four, three, search for Spock, three. Shatner directed that one, and he starts by no, it's not, it's not, no, it's five. Sorry, undiscovered country. Undiscovered country. It starts with him with Shatner climbing a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um. And Shatner directed it too, and it's like Captain Clerk is climbing a mountain. Why is he climbing the mountain? Because it's there. Because he, be, no, because he wants to make love to the mountain. <laughs> These were the words that came out of Will Shatner's mouth. What? <laughs> this is a real thing. Look it up. It's a real thing. <clears throat> so his answer in the movie was because it's there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean that so, was like a okay. But um, his answer in interviews was because he wants to make love to the mountain. <laughs> well, he generally doesn't take himself very seriously, so that sounds about right. Fortunately, this was before Game of Thrones. Yeah. If you were uh, if you were William Shatner and you actually took yourself seriously, that would be a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I kind of see why he didn't. You know, he ne- never bothered to start trying. Right. <laughs> well, it, it's hard to take sci-fi too seriously. Because you have to kind of play let's pretend all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like there, there are instances where um, it lends itself better to the seriousness. Like, uh, this is kind of a genre blender with horror and stuff, but, um, uh, oh gosh, now I'm drawing a blank. The one where they, there's like a dimension and they get sucked into hell, essentially. Um, Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, Something Horizon. Event Horizon. Event. New Horizon was interesting. Yeah, Event Horizon. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually pretty uh, pretty serious stuff. Yeah. Uh, sure. Um, it was also funny. Well, she knew this weekend geek. Or original um, Alien. Anyway, we're jumping ahead. Yeah. Well, we were trying to yeah. weekend geek. This weekend um... Not much has changed this weekend. Yeah, very little really kind of happened. Um, well, Dragon Con. Um, Dragon Con is happening. Yeah. Barrowman went out as uh, Wonder Woman. Yes. <laughs> uh, actually, a friend of mine uh, got pulled up to do karaoke with him. My. Yeah, because he was wearing a Star Trek costume. <laughs> Some fool got himself killed at Burning Man. Yes. Although there's speculation that that was a really grisly way of committing suicide. Well, yeah. Um, well, I mean, the speculation is that he intended to kill himself, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. Well, that's the that's the implication. Yeah, he Suicide. dodged a security that was there to run into the yeah. fire. <laughs> well, there's someone made a uh, made a an interesting comment is that they're like this headline reads like a headline from the Onion because it's like yeah. man runs into flames at Burning Man like the way it's phrased is. Although it's terrible, you know, obviously. Yeah, I saw that comment. It's, it it is, when you, when you actually just look at the headline, it is kind of funny the way the headline breaks down. Like, it seems like something straight out of the onion. Right. 
Yeah, I saw the comment that it said it seemed oniony. Yeah. Um. Yeah, not much. Pax not a whole lot. West. Yeah, Pax West was this weekend. Mm-hmm. This last weekend. My uh, friend Cat was there. I kind of hate her right now. <laughs> Hi, Cat. And my friend Ronnie was at uh, Dragon Con. Asshole. <laughs> so was my friend Jason Ian and his wife. Sam Regal DM'd his first. Yeah, <laughs> for the DM critical <laughs> fans out there, the critters. That was <laughs> that was new ground, and, and I find, what I find interesting about that is that was the first time he had ever DM'd anything ever. And he did it live on the internet, yeah. in front of like twenty thousand people watching or whatever. That's got to that be nerve wracking. Yeah, I know. I respect the hell out of him for even attempting that. Yeah, and it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. It was good. So, what's this week's spoiler? Well, <laughs> well um, to answer that, this week's spoiler is it was all just a dream. Yeah, apply it to whatever you want. <clears throat> Entire season. Every, <laughs> every video game, TV episode, or movie that pissed you off because of that ending. Yeah, that may be one of the most disappointing phrases in human history. Well, there was an entire season of Dallas. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Between it's a dream or time travel, it has pissed me off so many times where things just didn't matter. Right. Reminds me, I was watching an episode of The Magicians um, close to the end of the first season. Um, this is not much of a spoiler because it happened in the first, it happened before the, cre- before the opening credit call. <clears throat> But all the main characters died. <laughs> uh, I was watching this. Was like, okay, so this is all a dream or time travel. Well, it turns out it was neither. Because these people were magic. What it was was they had cast a probability prediction spell. For essentially, they had cast um, divination to determine which is our proper course of action. They had 12 different, uh, they tried 12 different permutations, and in 11 of them, they died. <laughs> and, in the, and in the 12th, uh, the, screen, the, the whole thing went white, and no one was quite sure what happened afterwards. <laughs> well, let's do that. Yeah, well, eventually they got to the conclusion of, well, we'll do that one, because at least there, we don't know that death is, is certain. Right. Of course, okay. So, um, what, what, uh, we're not going to do interstitial music today. Okay. Let's just, let's just walk straight in. So, to, to lampshade that, or to, uh, to, um, to subvert that trope, James Bond mm-hmm. does it in the Only Live Twice. Or James gets killed off mm-hmm. in order to go deep under cover. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's kind of a trope in another yeah, self-assignment is uh, faking your death to go undercover. Yeah, Triple yeah, uh, X. Yeah. Uh, faking your death, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a that's a trope that after a certain point becomes a cliche. <clears throat> um, initially, we were going to be talking about uh, we we're going to try and focus this in on cliches of the sci-fi and fantasy nature, but we realized that that was maybe a bit too constricting. 
Well, it's the nature of cliches that they, they cross all sorts of boundaries and formats and medias and stuff. But one of my favorite sci-fi cliches, <clears throat> I actually really like it, um, is two seconds left on the countdown. Oh, one second, yeah. Stop. Yeah. Moving. Yeah. Although yeah. I also really like it when when that gets subverted too, where like, um, I can't remember what it was. I want to say it was like an episode of Castle or something where they do something and the timer ends with like three minutes fifty left on it, <laughs> and and Castle being a writer is like that's so disappointing. <laughs> Uh, Galaxy Quest. They succeeded in what they were doing, and the timer kept going. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What the hell? Why is it still going?" And then it stops at one. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> annoying. Like, oh, oh, so because in the show, it really stops at one. It stopped at one in the show. That episode was badly written. <laughs> Galaxy Quest is all about the bad sort of tropes, the sci-fi cliches and yeah. tropes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the woman on the crew with too much cleavage. Yeah, yeah. The actor, the, the actor who really hates the fact that this is what he's famous about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, show must be going on. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it, it subverts all the tropes of you know. Naismith uh, always gets a shoot. Yeah, and that's my favorite from that one. But, you know, his shirt got ripped off. Mm-hmm. Nameless crewmen dying, which, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. They've had some red shirts lately. Like the third to last episode of this season, five people went out, like five or six people went out, and about ten died. Well, that, the, the thing is, they only sh- the, the, the camera shot only showed, like, seven people going out or whatever and apparently there were more but it was it was so poorly shot in that that yeah. last scene that you were given the impression that it was just the snowicide squad yeah. it was just like seven people like you know so they had a bunch of random <laughs> it was very confused that were even there yeah. just randomly die and say crewman number one crewman number two you will you die you die but yeah you that, die. that that the nameless <laughs> nameless crewman or whatever is minion soldier the red shirt who dies yeah. which right. I loved um, in the First J.J. Abrams Star Wars Star Trek movie. Um, when Kirk and Sulu are parachuting onto the the drill. Yeah. Um, the engineer with the red shirt. With random third guy who is the only person in the entire show to have worn a red uniform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he dies. Yeah. And the minute I saw him, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Oh, he's our honorary red shirt. And in he's going to die. And he dies. And in the second one, Scotty at least temporarily quits. <laughs> and Kirk tells Chekhov, put on a red shirt. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. well, it's not just the, the red shirt dying thing. It's the In, in the context we are talking about Game of Thrones, it's... It's the you know um, how many how many nameless <coughs> minions have I shot you know have died you know how many nameless minions have died in my hands well, it's, it's about like artificially raising the yeah 
I just fall down. Like, oh, now. people are dying. This is serious. But yet, yeah. when you realize they're all just a bunch of no-name characters, mm-hmm. it kind of defeats the point. Yeah, it's not until you throw Worf around that you realize that you know that the audience is supposed to realize that <laughs> the Worf effect. The Worf effect. Yeah, which is another great cliche. Which is you have this person who is theoretically super strong and super badass, and their only purpose in the series is to get beaten to signify that things are not good. Right. And he's supposed to be, after Yar is gone, he's supposed to be head of security, yet every time he says, we should really do this, <laughs> yeah. they never listen to him. And he's usually right. Yeah. Well, to, to their credit, Deep Space Nine. They listen to him. Yeah, they listen to him, and Worf was the badass. I mean, he, when... Oh, yeah. When, especially during the Dominion War, when you know, Jim and R show up on, and he pulls out from fucking nowhere. And this is the other one. This is the one that we talked about, Katana Space. Yeah. <coughs> fucking <laughs> Worf. <laughs> just materializes a bat lift. Oh, it, uh, it was. It was a. Uh, it was I a smaller. What it's knife. called. Yeah. Uh, it's just, the same thing he used in First Contact, right? It's, uh, yeah. It's like a one-handed uh, thing on blade. Yeah. And uh, yes, not, basically, not the dagger, but the one that comes up like this, and and has yeah, and has a uh, has a, like a big hand guard on it. Uh, so the probably well concealed weapon. It's a mechleth, is what it, I think that one's what mm-hmm. that one's called. <coughs> but yeah, it's it's like a mini batleth. You know, pulls it and is like, at one point Picard asks Worf, you know, how many weapons do you have right now? Fourteen. <laughs> you know where? <laughs> yeah, where? Of course. However, you're wearing spandex you're and a sash. Yeah, you're wearing spandex. I can tell what religion your ass is. <laughs> well, there was that episode of Next Gen where they had the Klingon on the medical bed, yeah. and they start pulling pieces off of his uniform and make a black out of their own dis- use. Yeah, yeah, make a disruptor out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that they that was that was a good one. Of course. Anyone who's seen a cricket phaser, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that whole idea of... Uh, that, that's another one of my favorites. Uh, one of the best ones that was done was Mad Max, uh, Thunderdome. The staff that happened to be a rifle, or...? No, no, the whole... the whole You have to disarm. And it's like this pile of, of <laughs> weapons that just grows in front of them. You know, uh, and... and I can't. I don't remember that one, but then it's when he's first. But then I have gotten beyond Thunderdome, so um, it was when he's first getting into Barter Town, and they made him disarm to go see Granny Anti Anti Entity. I don't remember the names. Uh, Uh, It it wasn't to the same degree, but they did similar the two towers when they got to Edoras, and they're like, "Uh, "We need your weapons." Gimli just was like axe, but Legolas was like knife, knife, bow. And Aragorn was sword, sword. not Double daggers. Then <laughs> yeah. keep pulling stuff out. Right. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. And he pulls it, and like the last thing is, is he starts to walk forward, like, and he pulls like another knife out of his boot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking rangers. And of course, um, this is like or or like um, in the in uh, um, Pirates Three. When they're going to meet uh, Chuck yes. Fat. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Elizabeth Swan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she starts reaching. Like, where the heck is she reaching? Yeah, it's like one was definitely like a gun up her ass. Right. Uh, Even Barbosa's going, 
Where did she pull that from? And they did it again in The Hobbit when the elves were searching uh, the dwarves for weapons. Feely. <laughs> <laughs> kept finding knives again and again, yeah. and then after they were done, they put them in the cells and they find another knife on them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. You know the and here's the thing when I when I was writing um, the Zompox, my Zompox series, I kitted up the way my character was kitted up. That shit gets heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Two pistols. You're going. Oh my god. Then you're carrying. If you're carrying more than one rifle. Yeah, you know, and then knives, you know. But I do actually have a character make a joke that's like, "Oh, great! This is not. This is not. You know, this is not an option. No, no, we're not. It's not. I'm not refusing. It's just going to take a little bit." <laughs> I once had a D and D character. Um, I had uh, first off, he was a he was a knife thrower build. Mm-hmm. So I gave him a magic pair of bracers that just created force knives which was his primary weapons was just throwing infinite knives out of his wrists I could throw like 12 a turn Um, well it was actually I I got 6 attacks but I could throw 2 daggers at once per attack Um, I had I had had him also uh, carry, he had a cloak of non-detection um (laughs) That I had had, and I talked to my DM, and and what we did, we had a false backlining to it that was spun partially with lead thread, so you couldn't divine through it. That was a that that took like stop Superman. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, a thin sheet of lead blocks divination spells. <clears throat> okay, I mean so, more or less the same thing. Yeah. yeah, just replacing X-ray vision with the divination spell. Right, divination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, or whatever. And behind the false lining of the uh, cloak, he had um, thirty-two daggers uh, arrayed in bandoliers. He had two turns worth of throwing daggers before he had to go and collect things. He also had. A dagger in each boot. Um, and when you realize that a dagger is, you know, like, say, eight ounces of steel, yeah. that's 16 pounds in your cloak. Yep. That's like going, <laughs> you know, you're going to choke to death. Uh, um, to be fair, he, he, had a, he had a strength score of, of, uh, of 20. Yeah. So he was stronger than a, than a gorilla. Yeah, mm-hmm. still. But as far as cliches, that's the, that's the thing that makes that a cliche is the improbability of it, yeah. but the humor of it, you know, in that you know this guy isn't probably armed. Yeah, it yeah. No, I think that's armed. a trope. That it's it's a both a trope and a cliche. But I enjoyed the trope, like yeah. over, like oversized weapons. Yeah, yeah. Buster sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every every Final Fantasy ever. Uh, I have a little bit more sword. difficulty with Buster swords than I do with, you know, fifty knives. Right. I agree. Yeah. Because even when they, because you have a way you could you could potentially, with a shit ton of knives, you can you can push them all, all you know you can have them distribute the weight distributed right. such yeah. that it doesn't it, you are heavy, but yeah. But even after they made like the Advent Children movie, we got a better look at how Cloud is supposed to look. He still doesn't look 
muscular enough to carry that. Well, not sword. Like that, but yeah. then you're doing a shit where you're like you're launching yourself through the air and swinging this thing around. It makes it even. It's not just like a small cut with all your might. Like yeah. it gets ridiculous yeah. at that point. Yeah, but you know, again, Final Fantasy. <laughs> well, yeah, it's yeah. not supposed to be realistic. Yeah, are we going to talk about Final Fantasy again? No, eventually. Um, so the other one, uh, the cool guys don't walk. Uh, don't look at explosions. They just walk uh, yes. away. There's even a whole, uh, what's that, Funny or Die video or SNL, yeah. something like that. Yeah. It was a Lonely Island video. He yeah, has a Lonely Island digital short on SNL, cool right? Cool guys don't yeah. look at explosions. <laughs> they they push it up and they walk away. Yeah, they had all kinds of good stock footage of that. Iron Man, Desperado. Mark Wahlberg is wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> all the Bourne movies. Yeah. yeah. Die Hards, yeah, just pretty much any action. Well, see, movie. Die Hard, he never actually walked away from an explosion. He ran away from a number of explosions. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, Die Hard maybe was the third one. I don't know. Um, the one at the airport. No, I actually. PKA, Mr. Falcon. Oh man. Now that's a funny. That's a funny cliche. Is the edited for television ridiculous oh curse my word? God. Yeah. It doesn't get better than Yippee Mr. Falcon. I I'm sorry. I must disagree. <laughs> oh, it, it does yeah. get better. You see. This is what happens. This is what happens happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. What? From the Big Lebowski. Uh, okay. The the line is this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. <laughs> find a stranger in the Alps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then proceed to f them in the A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or for that matter, I am tired. Of these monkey fighting snakes on this <laughs> Monday to Friday play. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what I, happens I, when you try to. Okay, censor I feel like they're going out of the way to. Like they're making bets at how ridiculous they yeah, can make they it. Yeah, get. Like that's gotta be a yeah. boring job. Uh, yeah, and you know. That's why that sometimes the TV edit is even more fun to watch than the. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I want to say there was one, uh, Big Lebowski DVD where they included the audio track for the TV edit as a special feature because they thought it was just that funny. <laughs> right? Okay, so we're talking about Galaxy Quest, which is one big lampshade of every trope in Star Trek. By the way, um, sorry, quick interjection. The lampshade we're talking about is mm-hmm. the trope of the lampshade hanging, yeah. which is essentially, um, instead of trying to be Subtle about your use of tropes. Instead, you hang a big old lampshade on it, and so the joke everybody can see it. Yeah, it's making a joke out of the fact that you are using. Out of oh my god, they they really are doing that. It's like right. when The Simpsons does a clip show; they make a meta joke about it being a clip show. Yeah, that's right. a good example. Yeah, uh, Lamp- lampshading is is pull, is actually drawing attention, atten- intentionally to drawing attention right. to the fact that you are doing something cliched or tropist right. or tropist. So, galaxy Quest. Right. I mean that's one big trope all the way through. That's one big trope fest all the way through, with lampshades everywhere. I mean this is you know they could start their own warehouse because mm-hmm. uh, they have they go everything from the you know the Shatner esque ego of of Naismith, uh, the you know the token female character who has a ridiculous job, you know, and all of this you know. When you and all of this is you know when Michael Chain in my phone um, with the uh, the the uh, Thermians who have no concept of of you know something being false mm-hmm. 
so everything they ever saw on the show they put on the ship you know that episode was badly written you know um, you know to uh, was it uh, uh, you know the, the shirt getting ripped the mm-hmm. the uh, you know the the nameless the nameless minion dying left right and sideways mm-hmm. you know the countdown timer that has to stop at one huh the countdown timer that has, has to stop, stop at one, one. Mm-hmm. yeah you know or even a character who really has a last name is doubting whether you know, you have a last name do I do I <laughs> you know well it, it was nice that that who was playing that guy he was it's like I can't think of his name suddenly. Uh, yeah. He was in Moon. Um, he played Justin Hammer. Oh, um, uh, he also played uh, President of the Galaxy, uh, Sam Rockwell. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Rockwell was playing the insecure red shirt. Yeah. Which I thought was great. Because right. normally he's this very... Yeah. Huh? Yeah, guy. Guy. <laughs> guy Flegel. And he changes his name for the... Uh, yeah. yeah, like Guy Friedman or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you're not going to die? Oh, yeah, what's my last name? <laughs> Wasn't that Simon Sim Rockwell's character? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, in Galaxy Quest. In Galaxy Quest, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just shaves the whole thing up there, you know, including the, does the rolling help? <laughs> you know. Uh yeah, it just that 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 is more I like how there was uh, how the the t- t- transporter needed specific hand movements. I like how they had all this technology, but they had no idea how it actually worked. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, having to relearn how to drive the ship because they built the ship based on his hand movements. To yeah, yeah. to. This one job, it's stupid, but I'm gonna do it. And if you never, and you notice, the computer never responded to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Only to only to Sigourney Weaver's character. <clears throat> yeah. Um. I mean, that was just one massive one, but. Uh, I want to rewatch Galaxy Quest. <laughs> oh, another cliche that comes to mind that I think transcends a lot of genres is. Uh, translating something only to find out that it really means something else at a very inopportune time. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, after they totally screw something up or like, you know, unleash some sort of terrible evil. Oh, actually, it said this. Whoops. Well, yeah. more. <laughs> and really, that goes back very. I think that I feel like that goes back most classically to uh, to the Twilight man. Zone to serve man. Yeah. It's a cookbook. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. The semantics. Yeah. yeah um, okay. Well, you get that also with, um, uh, what was it, um, the, the mistranslation or the, uh, or that last bit of information that they don't have until it's too late. Um, but, um, that's on here that. The MASH episode where, you, where they're defusing the propaganda bomb. <laughs> now, cut this wire. They cut it, but first, <laughs> <laughs> which goes back to a Doctor Strange yeah. moment. You know, they put the warnings after the spell. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Does that work for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, of course. Okay, Marvel movies are have a lot of tropes in them, but I think they handle them well. Yeah, they do. You know, Iron Man 
when Iron Man turns and walks away from an explosion, it's because he's freaking pissed off. That tank just shot at his ass. He's like, Foop, take that, motherfucker. It's not just that. It's he's finding out that his weapons are still being sold. Yeah. You know, terrorists. You know, he's turning and walking away like, yeah. I'm about to go kick someone's ass. Yeah, <laughs> you know? he was basically stealthed as leave. No need to be a bitch about it. Huh? Sorry. My favorite line from those is actually in third. Um, which happens, Daz Lee, don't need to be a bitch about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it wasn't a very opportune time to quote it. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just... Of course, Iron Man 3 uh, is also a great one for... You had this all along. You know, when the, when the good guy ends up with a freaking army that you realize he had access to from the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know. You had all of these Iron Man armors that you could have called on. Well, that's know. essentially the cavalry showing up the last minute cliche. Yeah. yeah Just the, yeah. a more modernized version. Yeah. yeah. Like, the riders are all on at the end of the, the two towers. The eagles! The eagles are coming! Yeah. Why did they not <laughs> take us here from the beginning? Yeah. But the eagles were... Something that wasn't already expected. The writers of Rohan. Well, right? yeah. The seed for that was planted early. <clears throat> yeah, those I'll are be little, here in three days. Yeah, those are a little yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, I love the, the Eagles like, were a Deus Ex Machina. Right. Yeah, because you realize, you know, it's like. Although Tol- could, yeah, Tolkien would swear up and down they weren't. They were meant to represent hope when yeah. there wasn't. Well, any. things can be two things at once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the Eagles, the Eagles were that last hope, even in The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, but uh, that okay, the Hobbit brings us to the back, the offhand backhand, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is only appears in the extended version. Because um, that fight scene between uh, Legolas and Gimli and and uh, that was in the regular. Yeah, that whole scene was in the regular. I thought it was it was, it was extended was when they when they go into the. And keep in mind, this wasn't the Hobbit. This was the two towers. Yes, yeah, the two, two towers. When they go and deal with. Uh, originally, it's just Gandalf. No, they all go in. They're all with. Yeah, them, no, the, but originally, it's them. it's only between Gandalf and and Saruman. I believe how uh, you that we that we are that you are both semi misremembering things, as I recall. In the regular cut. The um, when uh, when Gandalf walks in to talk to Greenland and be like, "Haha, I'm, I'm I'm more powerful now, bitch." Um, <clears throat> there's like a two to three, maybe five second scene where the guards try to try to jump Gandalf and they get stopped. Mm. In the extended cut, we get the fight scene. You get, I believe, it, I do believe that that fight was an extended fight. Yeah. And I don't believe and I don't do not recall whether or not Legolas standing up and hitting someone with the back of his hand over the back, over his shoulder was in the the original cut or the extended cut. I think it's in the extended cut. <coughs> Either way, that's that's the I that, mean if it was know. in the original cut it's in the extended cut too, but um, right. <laughs> so wait a minute, there are different permutations here so it's confusing when you say offhand backhand you just mean when someone is not looking behind them and yes. they raise their hand up and hit the person like the person's coming man. from behind right yeah, yeah or like yeah. a lot of those martial arts movies yeah. I yeah. thought you see because there's a completely different cliche 
that is also the offhand backhand. It's when you're fighting, you both have a sword or whatever, you both have one weapon, and then you take the just the right moment to go, ha, and hit them, and like, you know, knock them down or knock them over or whatever, you know? Just like the, the kick, you know? There's always that, that like, oh, we're even That is mash. not what's referred to typically as the offhand backhand. Well, I don't know about official names for any of this stuff. It's all but just subjective stuff that people... Yeah, that's, that's way too much time on TV tropes being men. Yeah, um, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's that's a fist and a sword fight, uh, <laughs> or something like that. But yeah, the uh, what you're talking about is like what quite did to Darth Maul. Yeah, yeah, it's like the blade locked and he backhands him. Yeah, yeah, that happens all the time. That's another cliche. Yeah, it's technically an offhand doing a backhand. But which is why I was confused. Yeah, that's fighting dirty, really. Uh, but yeah, the offhand backhand is, yeah. is 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 just a casual. You're, you're, you know, you're not here, yeah. basically. Or, you know, you just got into this big fight, and there's one guy who's trying to sneak up quiet behind you to jump you. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily, it's like, just, it, it's sometimes really brutal. Whack real hard. Yeah. Batman did that a lot in the animated series. Or there's the there's a variation where one has a sword, and they stab behind themselves from, like, next to their hip, and yeah. stick the sword through the guy who's trying to sneak yeah. up on them. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of those variations. Typically, there. typically it's someone acting on information that they cannot conceivably actually have, unless they're just that good. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it was somebody like Daredevil, I believe it. The senses yeah. are just that good. And he does do that. <laughs> what if it's a, just a normal human being? Then yeah. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yeah. Unless they're dr- they're they're walking on like dry twigs or something, you know. Right. <clears throat> But uh, yeah, Batman is the king of the offhand backhand. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then pretty, there's pretty the uh, was it the uh, uh, there's another one where the bad guy tries tries to make that last minute backstab, and the good guy ends up killing him because he you know basically turn around at the last moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember one where someone is trying to backstab someone and he puts his sword away. It might have been Men in Tights. He puts his sword away and ends up stabbing the guy as he's trying to backstab him. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that would definitely be a more person. Um, but yeah, the opera Where it's back- not intentional, it's accidental, yeah. but it's yeah. great. That's, that's that seems the, like something that Blinken would do in, in uh, yeah, in Men in yeah. Tight specifically. Well, actually, Blinken's was the one where he reached out and grabbed the, the crossbow bolt before it hit. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. like, I heard that coming a mile away. <laughs> really? Who's what? that? Who said that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, the offhand backhand's a big one in superhero movies. Um, the Jedi occasionally do it, mm-hmm. um, and then there is the you know then there is the uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the fatal backstab or something like that. Um, it's where the bad guy. It's the one I described where the bad guy tries to get get the good guy from behind and uh, ends up getting killed by the good guy because of it. Mm. I don't know. All I can really think of for that would be curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Something that I really like uh, for um, as a as a cliche, which is very cliched, but the reason it's cliched is because it looks just so damn cool. Is people walking forward in a horizontal or maybe slightly graded line in lockstep in slow motion. <laughs> right. Right. Reservoir Dogs, Armageddon, etc., etc. Yeah, the Armageddon did a really good job with that. 
Uh, because my favorite instance of it is actually in One Piece when the, when the crew is walking to Arlong Park. It's just totally badass. <laughs> um, the uh, <laughs> um, yeah, with, with with the reason I like Armageddon's version so much is because they do it twice. Yeah. Once when they're leaving, they're all full of hope, ah, and then once when they're coming back, you know, it's some of us have paid the ultimate price to save the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So before and after shot, only it's not improvement. Yeah. I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> of course, yeah, I love it when uh, yeah he gets uh, was it. Uh, uh, I guess the epic tragic ballad is also cliche, right? Yes. The the yeah the epic tragic ballad. Uh, you know, because there's only one person who evidently gets to fall in love. Um, oh, so, so that for some reason made me think of. Okay, sorry, I need to explain the the random massive jumps in logic here because they're funny. So, so only one person gets to fall in love, and ballad that made me think of Titanic, which made me think of Leonardo DiCaprio dying, which made me think of. Another of my favorite cliches and tropes, which is Sean Bean dies. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's weird that saying. I understood that logic. <laughs> Seven degrees of Sean Bean dying. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it, it is a it. There is a supercut out there of just Sean Bean death scenes. Right. And there, it's just. My favorite is when he get, gets gored by bulls and flies off a cliff. Mm. That's pretty great. <laughs> but yeah, there's, you can count on one hand, like, the thing, the, the movies he appears in in which he does not die. Yeah. More or less. And, and this reminds me of, uh, spoilers, by the way, for Game of Thrones Season 1. Um, <laughs> well, at this point, I mean. Um, Sean Bean dies in so, Game of Thrones Season oh, 1. Quick little funny anecdote about that. Mm-hmm. I, uh... When I was just about to get into Game of Thrones, I the the show was like maybe two-ish seasons in at this point, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen the show, I hadn't read the books, and I, I was on Amazon and they had a steal of a deal where you get the first four in paperback form for like nothing. I'm like, cool, sign me up. I get the I get them, but it's a recent printing, right? So they show stills from the show as the reference point, the visual. I I look on the front, it's Sean Bean on there with a big like you know claymore and i'm like oh oh, come on he's gonna die now and i hadn't read a single page of the book knew nothing about the show but i knew that sean bean was Was playing this character yeah which is which is actually funny because it's not real because sean bean has been in a lot of things he's only in the top five deaths in hollywood yeah but are we talking about sheer amount or percentage uh percentage oh okay he's only in top five okay well um but, seems seems high. But he's so com- but that's because the other four are like one of them is Bella Lugosi. Uh, well, yeah, it's hard to compete with that. Uh, but <laughs> when you're playing the monster all the time. Yeah. But exactly. yeah, um but it reminds me of uh the, there was an image macro I saw that that I already told you guys about but I want to say for the audio here too. Uh Aria got uh, got uh taught sword fighting from a Bravosi uh dance master. And his whole thing was, what do we say to the god of death? Not today. Um, but there's an image macro of him saying, so what do we say to the god of death? And then it cuts to an image of Sean Bean right before he gets beheaded. Oh, you again. <laughs> <laughs> there's this thing on, uh, 
on the internet. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a picture. It's just this woman doing a little mini rant about the fact that his name is spelled the same for his first and his last name, but pronounced differently. So he needs to pick. It's either Sean Bond or uh, or C B. <laughs> he needs to pick one or the other. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, which uh, it is rare. Like, I actually get excited whenever I see him in a movie and he doesn't die. Vinland <laughs> James. I was trying to remember because that, that brought up another another trope. Uh, I, it just it left me. Damn it! I hate it when I do that. We'll get there. We have plenty more to explore. I mean, just action movie cliches alone, I thought of a, a lot of those. Yeah, well, kill some more. The, Do uh, it. Say what now? Spit out some more. <laughs> that one weapon that always seems to be just out of reach until you just suddenly need it. Right. right? <laughs> the flashy reloads. You remind around. me of our Hunter King. <laughs> Horror movie tropes that... Uh, that guy and I took advantage of in our zombie hunt. Zombie hunt. Yeah. We're going out to to fight zombies. So so Guy and Duncan start shouting out, "Hang on, guys! I just gotta go back to the truck for some beer. Let's split up, gang. I'm only two days away from retirement." retirement. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to get the zombies to come. Trying, yeah, yeah, and, it's how, yeah. It's how you. We gotta look from from uh, from the NPC who's like this. Hard wound, like no nonsense. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Zombie calls, man. Yeah, zombie calls. <laughs> you just had sex, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a that's another cliche. Is the uh, the hard drinking grizzled detective who's probably divorced. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's the backstab backfire when the bad guy tries to kill the hero and and fails. The operative in Serenity. Yeah. Wait, after he hits what he thinks is the nerve cluster and Mal towards yeah. the end. Well, yeah. it was. It just got blown out in the war. Yeah. yeah. That, that was what I said. He thought was a nerve cluster, but it's not there. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. then he's about to do the stab, and he moves out of the way. Yeah. Right? So, funny story. I had that nerve cluster. That nerve cluster got shot out in the war. <laughs> had it moved. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not quite a deus ex machina because right. it's not like a celestial force or something, but <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the no, same. What it is is an asshole ex machina. It's the immunity. Right. It's an immunity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I, I, I let it slide in the sense that I liked how uh, uh, how it was thematically appropriate. You know about the whole fact that it was because of the war in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll let that one go. But. Uh, Oh, what were we talking about that made me think of something else too? It was, it, like, that trope just still in, you know in my head. Uh, well, in the meantime, I could go over more zombie tropes. No, there's plenty of those. Um, yeah. Yeah. The one that the, the one that uh, back when I was in high school, I was almost in a zombie movie. A very cheaply produced by high school students zombie zombie movie. But zombie. Is there any other kind? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they were like, Neil, would you want? To, would you like to be in our zombie movie? I'm like, I'd love to be. Um, can I be the guy who escapes by calmly walking away from the slowly from the slowly shambling zombies? <laughs> Instead of being the person who runs, trips, and somehow forgets how to stand back up. Right. 
Well, okay, and that leads us to an entire series mm -hmm. that's based on a lampshade of the damsel in distress, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whole series lampshaded on that one trope, which also brings us back around to the trope of the strong female character and the cliche of the Mary Sue. Um, Buffy wasn't no Mary Sue. No. And Joss was good about writing a strong female character that was not. So I guess I'm not following your, your 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 train of thought with the damsel in distress thing. I thought the whole point is that we're subverting that. Well, yeah, that's so the thing. What yeah. the hell are you talking Buffy, about? Buffy was the cheerleader who ended up being the being the the bane of monsters. You know, oh, she's the Slayer. Ah, you know, she was in in all the movies. The blonde cheerleader is the one that trips on nothing falls and gets killed. Uh -huh. Buffy subverted that entire trope. Okay, well, the way you phrased it, you didn't actually say that it was being subverted. You just said that was the trope and then made a whole show around the, it. So. The, 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 uh, oh, they made, made the whole show about lampshading. Yeah. Well, I thought um, lampshading well, was calling attention to it would not be subverting. subverting the trope. Yeah, in this particular case, it's, it's a trope subversion, not a uh, yeah. lampshade. Yeah. Trope inversion. Yeah. Let's get technical here. Let's get technical. <laughs> well, if we're going to define our terms. We want to make right. sure we're being consistent. Speaking um, of... Another great trope, Let's Get Dangerous, yeah. um, which is the trope, Darkwing Duck. which is the trope of <laughs> someone suddenly pulling skill out of no, uh, out of not necessarily nowhere, but okay, it's time to actually get serious, and it's yeah. for, it's typically referred to as the trope these days as Let's Get Dangerous mm -hmm. because Darkwing Duck, right. <laughs> And you reminded me of the trope that I was trying to recover. Mm -hmm. Which is? The one-liner after the kill. Oh, ah, Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. The post-mortem one-liner. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> now, see, that one I both love and hate because it depends on the specific one-liner. Live off some steam. Yeah. <laughs> Stick around. Yeah. You're fired. Yeah, you're fired. My, my favorite, my favorite post-mortem one-liner or pre-mortem one-liner is, you know, so they how I said I promised I'd kill you last? Yeah, yeah, you said that, you said that. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how earlier in the movie he says, you're a funny guy, son. That's why I'm going to kill you last. <laughs> right. He actually says that. <laughs> he actually says that, yeah. yeah I lied. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you said that. I remember you said that. I lied. <laughs> Poor Sully. I let them go. <laughs> now, Bond was always good about it, but his had at least a little bit of class. Mm -hmm. You know? He had a lot of post-sex like, work. I don't know if he actually, yeah. said, know if he actually yeah. said this one, but like if he had knocked somebody in the way of a train, and someone said, where'd someone go? He had a train to catch. He called a <laughs> yeah, it was, it was more. That at the end of a racer. He got a train. <laughs> yeah, with Bond, it was more of a post-coital one line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought Chris. I thought Christmas only came once a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. um, we need to stop dancing around having a Bond episode at some point. Yeah. Um, I was speaking of uh, tropes subverted with James Bond when Daniel Craig played James Bond and came bursting out of the water all glistening and beautiful and shirtless. Which was not scripted. Which, <laughs> yeah. He was supposed to be uh, swimming or something and I, uh, he hit something and he got irritated because he could not do what they were asking him to do because it was, I guess it was too shallow or something. Yeah. And he could not get to shore the way they wanted him to and so he was like, fuck it. He just stood up. 
Yeah, and and subverts the trope from all the Bond babes. No, no. There's one in particular, uh, <coughs> Andres. Somebody where she comes out in that iconic bikini with the mm-hmm. with the knife on her, you know, on yeah. the thigh. And, and I love that they that they throw, they did that in uh, you know did that with Bond instead. Mm-hmm. I candy for the lady, you know. Um, well, it was nice to have to uh, to do something for the female gaze for that uh, particular, you know, because yeah. Bond has always been about Bond has always been a chauvinist pig. Well, it also makes it also makes sense the timing of it because when they cast Daniel Craig, it was more of a like caveman like. Like primal, like strong, powerful yeah, bond, as opposed to, to bond. refined in a suit bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Was, yeah, so it makes sense that they're they're going for a base instinct there. You know? Yeah, and that was early Bond. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, that was even though it was you know fifty years after Bond, but it was it was supposed well, to be because him it was early. a Bond reboot. Yeah, it yeah. was him early in his career, which um, is funny because they used the same M that they were using from the latest movie. That was why things got confusing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was but at the same time, it's, it's Judy Dench. It's like, yeah. A, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to complain when the, you know, when the yeah. casting's that good. No doubt. Yeah, and I mean, they... After, I want to say the third one, she went away. Yeah, she went, uh, she... And then she Ray got finds, killed. Yeah. Yeah, Ray finds. Uh, well, yeah, and Ray Fiennes took over. Well, you could do you could do a whole th- uh, you know a whole thing on just Bond cliches, of course. But oh, yeah. one that comes to mind is the gadget that doesn't seem to have a useful application until that one moment where it totally does. Right. <laughs> it's like, hey, Bond, here's this new thing. We do that. Okay, whatever. Cool. Throw it. Add it to that the list. That reminds me of uh, <laughs> of an Eddie Izzard uh, routine where Q. Always manages to give Bond exactly the things he needs for the mission. Right. It's like, okay, 007, So um, this year, th- 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 for this mission, we've got um, we got this rebreather and this shark repellent and this thing, and he ends up in the desert. No, no, it, whatever. He always ends up using every single gadget once right. and destroying it, which is a which. Yeah, it's also it's a bond show. Yeah, yeah which also bond show. Which is why Q always says, "Please bring it back." Which which they, which they lampshade big time. Yeah, because he goes. They really lean into that one. Yeah, they lean, <laughs> lean into that one, especially. But the bond watch, you know, is now in an early one. Um, there was one. I can't, I'm trying to remember if it was because um, they were on a train. Then there was a down. <laughs> For a big chunk of it. <laughs> Um, it was a Sean Connery one. Were, were they even? The were they fighting Jaws? No. Okay. Uh, I it down a little bit. Yeah, Jaws. Jaws <laughs> didn't show up until more. The villain with a weird physical characteristic. Yes. That is a big cliche. Usually, yeah. Um, usually, the, the henchman <laughs> with a strange physical characteristic. Yeah. Odd job. Like odd job Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Or the Austin Powers right. version. <laughs> Random task. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Zinya um, on the top. Zinya on top. That was a Bond villain too. Oddly enough, that powerful one. thighs. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. The, um, the ridiculously sexualized name. Yeah. yeah. Pussy <laughs> galore. Very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. they're not even trying to. Yeah. They're really lampshading hard on it. Yeah. Well, and, and <laughs> but there was one where they gave Bond. It was an early Bond. Uh, they gave him a briefcase. It was basically a spy briefcase. I mean, it had uh, had uh, 
gold coins uh, and silver coins in in these straps. It had a uh, a tube of ammunition for his for his pistol, throwing knives. Um, I'm trying to remember which which bond it was, but he didn't use all of it. But that was when they were staying closer to the you know to the to the original source material. Uh-huh. Um, uh. But yeah, with bond, there are certain bond tropes because there are usually at least three bond women. In a it, bond, in a bond flick, one at least one usually dies. Right. There's the random lay, the tragic lay, and the victorious lay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a random girl at the beginning that he that he seduces, so it reminds him, hey, it's still bond. <laughs> um, there is the tragic lay, which is somehow involved with the bad guys. With the bad guys, okay. why it becomes tragic. Right. right. Um, yeah. Which I, I knew that. Uh, who was it? Uh, the one that used to be in The Adventures of Superman with Dean Kane. Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. Is that Dean Kane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Terry Hatcher was the tragic lay in uh, Tomorrow. Was it Tomorrow Never Dies? Yes. Um, but yeah, the one that always dies. For the record, tragic lay is my favorite <laughs> moniker for these switch <laughs> That's just fantastic. Tragic lay. Because <laughs> uh. that's the girl that always dies. I mean, it's, I mean and, and, and the reason the reason I throw that at it, I mean, is because it is deliberately, yeah. you know, deliberately. Well, they carried that straight on into Casino Royale, mm-hmm. which and then led into Quantum of Solace. He's still yeah. hung up on his tragic lay from the previous movie. Yeah, yeah, they. they Kind of broke that was that. like the ultra tragic. Yeah, play. most Bond movies are completely separate from each other, but yeah. Solace literally picked up right where. Right yeah, that was, that was kind and of different. Yeah, there was like I think only one other set of movies that had done that before, where yeah. at the end of one movie he uh, gives up the spy life and gets married, but she dies. At the right, that's in Her Majesty's Secret Service. And that was Dalton. No, in the net. Uh, in the next one, where Timothy Dalton was in the Living Daylights. Yeah, he was which in Living was Daylights a and painful waste of Timothy Dalton. Well, he was in the Living Daylights. He was also in License Renewed. Um, we should probably leave some license. stuff left for the Bond episode. Yeah, why are we getting we leave too this deep the in the Bond territory? We covered a lot of good cliches, but yeah. now we're just talking about Bond. Um, so let's move on. So, um, other cliches. Okay, so. The, the 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 strong female character cliche is the one that is who has a strange name is so plain she's beautiful um, has two hot guys that she can't decide which you know decide which one to go with yeah is clumsy in all things ex- you know is clumsy as hell except for all things combat related and is a vampire. It's like every YA paranormal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, book out there. Yeah, the supernatural love triangles. Which remi- which actually day. brings me back to a cliche that I actually really don't like, which is emo vampires. Oh, oh, I'm a tortured soul. I, right. Yes, I, I, I drink, I drink blood, but it's not me, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I much right. prefer like. Monstrous vampire. Yeah, Interview with a Vampire. Right. Yeah. Well, so even, in, even in Interview with the Vampire, Louis was a little bit emo. Yeah. Because he was all broken up about his existence for a good chunk of time. Yeah. 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 But well, the, see, that was, was written back. But who was well, 
But who, who am I thinking of? Ed Rice. The other one. Uh, Edward. Like, not Edward. Uh, fuck Edward. He's no, not a vampire. I don't even consider him a real but, vampire. But in but the reason why it bugged me is I mean, despite regardless of how anyone thinks about those the Twilight movies or books in general, the reason it bugged me so much with Edward was because he was flip floppy with how he felt about. It's like. Oh, I hate what I am. Yeah, kept showing when it's off. convenient. Yeah, yeah exactly. Kept showing off. I hate what I am, except for being super strong and bulletproof. Yeah, right. and, yeah. the uh, hell. But then, in an interview with the vampire, there it was a uh, Louis and, and Lestat. Lestat. Well, see, the reason that the emoness worked in the first of all, it was early enough that it wasn't much of a cliche at that point. This was like ninety-one. Yeah, something like that, uh, and he. The juxtaposition between Louis being all, oh, woe is me, I don't know uh, how I should go on with this vampiric existence, and Lestat going, I love this shit, I don't give a shit about anything, and essentially being a nihilist, like, the contrast between them was actually yeah, interesting. Yeah, and it was Lestat that I was thinking of, he's, he's why I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then you get, I mean, even in Buffy, you know, you get Angel who was cursed with his own soul back, which is what turned him emo vampire. Right. But he was still a badass, you know. Yeah, but when he was Angelus, he was not sad at all. Because essentially, all. he was Lestat and was transformed into Louis. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> Although, not but exactly, because Louis still killed people, he just felt bad about it. Yeah, but, you know, but then again, that's also David Boreanaz, who, you know, who cannot not be a badass, you know. <laughs> because, I mean, he had a jaw that you could crack stones on, <laughs> you know. And... Um, oh, sorry, a cliche mm-hmm. occurred to me. Um, crying a single tear. <laughs> yeah. Elijah yeah. Wood's specialty. Yeah. The improbable single tear cry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's like, yeah, it's just a single tear rolls down the cheek. <laughs> yeah, the pretty cry. I'm not a big fan of that one. I think it was Doug Walker called it the sexy cry. Yeah, sexy <laughs> cry, yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. Johnny Depp did it, that. That used to bug me, but I've watched stuff that has made me do it. Yeah, because you're trying really hard to not, not cry. Yeah. Right. And it just one comes out. Yeah. Fucker. <laughs> yeah. They just kind of do that all willy-nilly, though. Whether they would be trying to hold it in or not, they just do yeah. the one tear because they think it looks good or whatever. Well, and the thing is, that's, I think, what I like about Sean Ass playing Sam. Sam blubbered through half that movie. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> but he looked like he was crying. He's all red-faced and blotchy. And you know, he's like, yeah, okay, that's that's a real person, real crying, you know. He brought an air of believability to that, to the, the ground, a grounding to that whole story and journey. He, yeah. He completely uh, dove into that role because <laughs> he didn't just wear the costume and play Sam. Offset, he took care of Elijah Wood, like... Completely offset. <laughs> yeah, he was like there in the morning, knocking on his door. Hey, are you up? Are you ready? <laughs> right. If I was Elijah Wood, I would I would exploit the shit out of that. <laughs> Wake up, you like, put on your go feet. get me some coffee. Go get the newspaper. Go get yeah. my slippers. Because he was the <laughs> out of the all the actors who played the four hobbits, he was the uh, Sean was the oldest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wake up! You need to put on your feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you like and, me to comb your toes. <laughs> and he was the oldest, and Elijah was the youngest. Yeah, which which to me was made that whole <laughs> you know that whole uh, him you know going up the tower to save Frodo just like 
that's a level of badass. That's another yes. one. That's another trope. Taking a level of badass. <laughs> Take a level, taking <laughs> yeah. a level of badass. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen this person for a while. Last time we saw them, they were a sniveling. Holy shit! What did they just do? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I like how. Um, Xander, uh, going to bump back to Buffy, took a oh, yeah. one badass after the the Dracula Hall- episode, and, and after the Halloween episode too. Yes, because yeah, uh, yeah. because he was a soldier for a long for long enough. He remembered that he remembered how to soldier. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm tired enough. of being everyone's butt monkey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was. I think that was the turning point for Xander. That's when he really yeah. took that level better. Yeah. yeah. Um. And not just him. Everybody throughout that series progressively got more and more badass. Yeah. Willow, yeah. Willow took a level of wizard. Yeah. <laughs> a few levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Willow, God. Yeah. And Giles. Oh yeah. I mean, well, he a lot always, of it was, he was always he was always badass. there. He just revealed it. Yeah. 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 The, the, ep- the end of the episode. That's with that's another glory cliche and trope I really like, uh, yeah. which is the, the unassuming or hidden badass. Or, or or what is referred yeah. to frequently <laughs> by TV tropes as the almighty janitor. <laughs> right, right, right. He's this guy who frequently, like, you don't look at him, you don't... Um, yeah. Like, yeah, Shepard Book's a good example. Um, he, he has this huge, crazy backstory, but it's just this quiet, unassuming person. Will Hunting or yeah. Hunter or whatever his name was. Good Will Hunting. But yeah, or and, and you know, the people that and, and and especially in TV shows, you frequently get one episode where you find out just how just the goddamn powerful these people are. Because somebody some poor soul has the unfortunate decision of usually Trying to interrupt them while they're doing something menial. <laughs> well, actually, I think in Giles's case, where's my laptop? Um, I think it was over there on the two, on this on this chair. Uh, Stan Lee and all the Marvel cameos, mm. and then in Guardians too, seeing him talking with all the uh, yeah, all the, other the watchers. watchers. We'll see, and, and where we see Giles actually pop a moment of was where pure evil like sitting, but it's not there. Uh, is at the end of the episode, of end of the third season, when Glory has been defeated, and and um, Ben has control, and Giles just decides, you know what? She won't kill you. She's a hero. That's what she does. <laughs> and uh, and then he, <laughs> I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. Yeah, <laughs> the, the whole that whole I'm not a hero. It's that person who does what the hero cannot do. Yeah. Um, which is, frankly, one of my favorite characters because it's the, you know, you, you have your Superman who does the right thing all the time, and sometimes doing the good thing is not the way to win. And there's, there's the right thing, and there's the thing that needs to be done. Yeah, there is the necessary thing. Yeah. And... Yeah, those are interesting characters. Of course, that's also the character who surprisingly finds the gun in the middle of the fight and shoots the bad guy in the back. <laughs> um, so the the one of the preeminent almighty jan- uh, janitors now that I think about it is uh, Steven Seagal. <laughs> the cook. 
Yeah, the cook like from Under, under Siege. siege. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a ship's cook, uh, but pretty much his whole thing is. Um, he used to be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Take my pies out of the oven. <laughs> Fuck me, one prick. <laughs> By the way, that's a weird career trajectory. Or for that matter, Mr. Miyagi <laughs> in the Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a maintenance man. That's his day job. Yeah. But yeah, he's from Okinawa, and you know, you know, fifteenth, you know, fifteen billionth degree black belt. Yeah. You know. And a war hero. Mm-hmm. And a war hero. Oh God. Yeah. Um. And. Or uh, Zatoichi, just in general, Zatoichi the blind swordsman. Mm-hmm. He's a traveling masseur. <laughs> It's blind. <laughs> he also is the most deadly swordsman in all of Japan. <laughs> Roger Hauer uh, pulled something similar in a movie called Blind Fury. He played a blind guy, basically just you know wandering the roads of America, but happened to carry a katana. <laughs> um, what was that one? Uh, I want to say this. Denzel, where he played a blind man. Uh, uh, oh, Book of Eli. Book of Eli, yes. yeah. That was pretty badass. Yeah, and you never get that he's blind until the end. Yeah, they actually did that really well. Yeah. That's a uh, really cool cinematography. Yeah, it just oozed style. Gary Oldman was a great bad guy. In oh, Gary Oldman's always a great bad guy. I mean, he just disappears into the park. Yeah. I, to this day, until he played Gordon. I could not figure out what Gary Oldman looked like. Yeah, right. I know what you mean. Because, <laughs> you know... Cause when you see him in, like, Fifth Elements, like, there's no way that's Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, and, but, you know, but then he, he, you know, he disappears with the voice and things like that. And Gary Oldman is good at portraying a tropish villain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, you know, uh, in Fifth Element, he was, you know, he, he embodied... Cool guys never look at explosions. Right. My God, he's smoking a cigarette, waiting for the explosion to go up. <laughs> you know, and has that monologue right before. You know what I like? A killer, stone, a stone cold killer. The famous uh, monologue, another great cliche. Yeah, you know. What isn't he the uh, crooked cop in Leon the Professional? I uh, think maybe. he was. He's the one who yelled everyone. Yes, <laughs> he yelled everyone. Yeah. And yeah, we got the villainous monologue, which gets lampshaded. You sly dog, you got me monologuing. <laughs> what does he do? He starts one. He starts monologuing. <laughs> well, one of the one of my favorite. Uh, I mean, granted, it was you know it was a parody in the first place, but uh, my favorite lampshades on that was in Austin Powers when Doctor Evil is monologuing and Seth Green plays you know is playing his son. And it's just like, Dad, like, I gotta get in my room. We can just go grab and kill right now. Like, he just goes on and on. Like, we, we can just kill him. Like, what are you shoot, doing? Yeah, we can shoot him right now. <laughs> Be like a father-son thing. I'll go get my gun. Boom. I like I also do really like the uh, the genre-savvy person. Yeah. Person who, like Seth Green's character right. in uh, the second Austin Powers movie, not so much the third one where he's actually kind of turning pretty evil. Right. Evil. But it's like, wait, are, are, are you serious? <laughs> you're going to put, put yourself not, with one inept guard. So it's, it's, you're it's not going to watch him die? No, I'm just going to close character. the curtain and assume everything goes well. Like the, screen, <laughs> the first screen movie where there's the guy who's like, the rules of horror movies, you guys. Yeah. Uh, 
can't remember the dude's name. The, well, anyone who who is portrayed as genre savvy, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if they're the wrong genre savvy. <laughs> yeah. Like the guy who's the rules of horror movies. Doesn't he die pretty quick? He does, yeah. He gets killed pretty quickly. Does he break one of his rules? I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen Scream. I, I don't know if he does. I think everyone who dies breaks one of the rules. But it has been a long time, so I don't remember. Yeah. All I remember is he gets pulled into a van and stabbed to death. <laughs> I'm not sure what the context for that was. Well, okay. What is the parody of the Scream? Well, scary movies were parodies of horror movies, essentially. Yeah, so. but, but there was a parody. Oh, you mean a scary, scary, scary movie? Scary movie. I mean, that right. was a setup of a lot of things. That was just one of the main ones initially. Right. Yeah. Because at the beginning of that one, there's the you know white girl in trouble. You know, suddenly all the cops show up. <laughs> you know, she's running. You know, running along. You know, and suddenly the sprinklers start. You know, yeah. all her clothes fall off. You know, she trips over nothing. Because I'm bitches on a Oh, <laughs> you mentioned all the water, and that reminded me of a great cliche: the dramatic showdown in the rain. Yeah, <laughs> or just the dramatic scene raining. Because when it's raining, everything is more dramatic. Right, in general, exactly. You know, Matrix, Fight Club. Although that, uh, say what you want about the second and third Matrix movies, that fight would not have been as cool looking without that rain. No, I I, I appreciate it because it yeah. usually works. It's just a very obvious it cliche. Is, yes. Yeah. Uh, that was a very Dragon Ball Z yeah, style. Yeah, it was a good it was a good implementation because <laughs> you're right. Without it, it would have been like you would have been turning the dial back five notches somehow. It would have been like Zod, Zod and uh, Superman and Man of Steel. Right. Right. But they're just kind of pumping into Which was still a very good fight. It was but still the pretty rain, cool, but it made it a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and and don't forget, we need to. I want to circle back to that one. Um, okay. Because there's a, there's a trope there yes. that we talk yeah. about. Um, Kneel before him. But <laughs> yeah, there's there, there's also rainy funerals. Yes. Right. Um, yes, rainy funerals. I just watched specifically. Or uh, in the process of watching Logan again, and yeah, one of the scenes is he's at a. Uh, I think that, that one of his it, clients is at a funeral. Isn't it? Doesn't it happen at least once in the in the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies? It's raining at funerals, and everyone has a black umbrella. Yep. Right, yeah. It's always, one of the things yeah. I loved about Smallville, uh, <laughs> one, of the, uh, one of the biggest funerals in the series, and it, I believe it snows instead of rains. Yeah. Um, and then, um, there, there's the, there, then there's the, there's the opponents saying each other's name. <laughs> Master Yoda. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know, you know, we meet again for the first time, for the last time. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. there, there is that. They, it's like they've got to greet each other. You know, um, it's like a sign of respect, which just shows how much respect Neo and Smith had for each other. Mister Anderson just nods. <laughs> just nods. <laughs> Well, see, that's the thing, though, is that he was in t he was deliberately disrespecting him by referring to him as Mr. Anderson. His <laughs> slave name. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Francis? <laughs> I do love that. I, I get the impression that that many of Ajax's uh, 
uh, cronies would have given him up a lot faster. Oh, yeah. If he knew if who he, he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, if he said Ajax, they would have just been like, oh, yeah, he's over there. That guy, the please don't there? kill me. He's right over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where's Francis? I'll draw you a map. <laughs> and I love that they never explicitly address that fact. They just let you draw the conclusion. Yeah. Like, I think that's a really well done. He also goes by Ajax. Oh, that guy. Is that Francis? <laughs> so, okay. Taser circling face. around to... <laughs> Zod. Taser face. Taser face. <laughs> <Taser. Yeah. laughs> I just finished watching that again. Uh, okay, so circling around to Zod. Pushing the hero past their limits, making them do something they would never do. Zod does it to Superman. Right. And forcing him to kill him. Yeah. I do it in games from time to time. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it to Wookiee's character once. Uh, I did it to... Uh, that and the sucker bet when the it's almost it's almost a Xanatos gambit mm-hmm. where the villain knows that the hero it's the I never I never never ever uh, you know which comes back to Rocky Horror <laughs> which I still haven't seen um, yes I know I'm a cherry so yeah there there is uh, there's always that trope of pushing the hero beyond their limits to doing that thing they would never ever do in Superman's case killing um in Wookiee's case, making his character go to the point that he was going to take his power, his character's powers too far. Well, they came really close to the end of Dark Knight, where he starts to he throws Joker off the building and then changes his mind at the last second. Yeah. And what I love about that scene is, as he's falling, there's he's probably like a couple seconds left, and he's going to hit the pavement. He's just laughing care, without a care the whole time. Ha! <laughs> like, I yeah, <laughs> he yeah. just loves it. Yeah, because that's he's he is his own punchline. Right, uh, exactly. Seven oh, did yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Iconic example there. It, yeah. Lots in the box. Yeah, that's that <laughs> see that's a, that is where it became a trope. Yeah. Uh but you know, we the I think I think Man of Steel almost took it to the point of being cliche. Yeah. Um, Although, I don't know. I mean, I feel like because it was Superman specifically, it worked. Because that's so rare. And you don't expect that in a modern superhero movie. Yeah. So, Especially in a Superman movie. Right. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, at no point is the word Superman ever uttered or in the title. Yeah. He is not Superman yet. It How about in the movie? Okay. Well, maybe once they or They do refer to him as Superman. And well, that was like his name. Two or that's three That's what the media dubbed the him, right? They gave him that name. Yeah. yeah. But like the, the one of the military is, people says they've got Superman in route. Superman, the alien, sir. It's what they're calling him. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, <laughs> but I mean, thematically, but yeah, he's still thematically. he's still he's still yeah. just Cal L at that point. Yeah. It's not until right. the very very end, the last second, that he actually starts making that effort to really be Superman. Yeah. And it, that moment that he kills Zod, I think, is when he makes that mental choice of never right. again. Yeah, yeah, I think that's. But yeah, and, and it's it's hard to push a hero beyond that point, and usually that's the point where the hero has never really made that decision. It's just assumed. Oh, I would <clears throat> never kill somebody. Yeah, as opposed to I am never yeah. going to do that. And in, in our hero game yeah. that you ran, I made. A, <laughs> It was the first iteration of Jumpy, my version of Spider-Man. Yeah. I made him with the intention of he would never overuse his power to where like, he would always go easy because he could easily kill somebody. Right. Um, fairly early in the game, he got a girlfriend, which was completely unintentional, and she was very pro-mutant. She and was kind of like Chloe. 
Yeah. From yeah, from Smallville. She had her own pro mutant blog, and she got put in the hospital by a like Friends Against Humanity type Friends or Friends for Humanity yeah type group. And Friends Against Humanity is a, is an offshoot of that card game. Oh, card game, yeah. right? <laughs> Friends. Friends, uh, Friends for Humanity, um, and they were at her house using her computer bashing mutants on her blog. Yeah. Just after putting her in the hospital, and we were <laughs> uh, we were part part of a mutant school, and we were there with our instructors, and they said stay outside <laughs> while they go in and try to clear the house. I knew where her bedroom was. So sprung in through the window, and the guy who was in the computer ended up in the wall, <laughs> and the guy who was guarding the door ended up on the floor with his skull nearly caved in, and somebody had to somebody was pulling him off of you. Yeah, somebody had to pull me off of him, and I ended up with a um, I don't remember what it was called in the game. But basically, he had a temper against anybody who hurt women. Yeah. Where he almost would fly into a rage if he ever saw someone hurt women. Yeah, and that, and that, see, that's the thing about a trope like that is pushing the hero too far. Is it, it, it defines the character? It really does, because once you push them too far, that becomes that line that they will never cross. They will never cross again. Which is why in the comics, Batman would keep telling, like you told Jason Todd in Under the Red Hood, of why he didn't kill the Joker after he killed Jason because once you cross that line it becomes increasingly easier to cross. Yeah. 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 And the other, the other, the other time... It's so hard to kill him? No, it would be too easy. Yeah. Right? Why well, I had another... And, and a lot of it is, is you know, it's the bad guy knowing the knowing the hero. Uh, I had another situation where it became a sucker bet. Uh, the characters come in you know, going, oh, we'll never work for you. We'll never, you know, we'll never work with you. It's like, oh, would you care, care to place a bet on that? Because um, I, you know, this ring's worth $5,000. I'll I'll lay that against a kiss that you'll do exactly what I want you to do. And one player is like, oh, no, no, he'll never, he'll never ever work for you. He'll never, ever. It's like, I have, you know, I have uh, information on another member of your race. I'm in. <laughs> it was like he did not even think. I'm sorry. There's a piece of this week in geek news that I only just became aware of. Um, that is very important and dear to my heart. Mm. Good Eats is getting is is coming back. <laughs> the Alton Brown cooking show. Okay. The guy who uses science when he cooks. Yeah. Awesome. Um, it's he's very much a food geek. Um, and Good Eats is apparently coming back, which I, had, I I know Alton Brown had said something about it previously, but it was made officially announced at Dragon Con. Mm. So. <laughs> oh, another random cliche that occurs to me, and of course Marvel is most guilty of this, the protagonist with an alliterative name. Oh, God. Peter he's, he's... Parker, Otto Octavius, Matt Murdock, there's about 500 other Fing Fing Clark Fing. Kent, Lois Lane. Uh, Lana Lang, uh, either names that either have the same first letters or names that are just scream that they are scream what they are. Right. Wade Wilson, like Wade Wilson. Octavius is Doctor yeah. Octavius. Yeah. Although Octavius. they never, he never had a secret identity. But. No, right, but still, you but know, still, yeah. it's kind of on the nose. Uh, 
well then you get uh, Felicia Hardy the black cat Felice you know basically means good luck uh, or hard luck um, well, if it's good luck then that's kind of ironic because black cats are supposed to be bad luck with superstition she has an ability that actually haunts her to uh, um, probability you're thinking domino uh, black cat had actually had certain versions of black cat actually okay, that must have. be a different permutation then because the black cat I'm familiar with is essentially just 90s cartoon yeah like the super serum that Steve Rogers used essentially is yeah her. that was just the 90s cartoon oh, okay. just the 90s cartoon yep yeah. Alright, then I guess I don't know the character that well. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you get back into the whole. Uh, the, Peter Parker uh, dated her for a while to get back to that yeah. whole time frame. Yeah. Uh, she had some, of, some of the early versions of where she didn't have any powers at all. Yeah. It's essentially like Catwoman, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah she was Spider Man's Catwoman. Yeah. Right. And then uh, only with white hair instead of, instead of black hair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, did you hear that uh, Batman and Catwoman are getting married? I had not heard this. Did not hear this. Yep. Can't remember which comic book, but uh, Bruce recently proposed to Selena. Wow, I gotta go find that. <laughs> I have got to go find that. Admittedly, it was really Batman proposing to Catwoman, but they both know each other's secret identities, so. Yeah. Well, that begs which... the question how the ceremony would work then. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> well, you know, and here, here's the thing is when you, when you talk about when you talk about tropes, mm-hmm. the whole identity thing. The whole identity trope. Uh, it, it was done so well in Batman Returns with Bruce and, and Michelle Pfeiffer, Selena Kyle. You know. Well, when you say identity trope, elaborate, please. Secret identity, mostly. Well, basically, the the point where the two characters with secret identities figure it out. Right. When they uh, both repeat each other's lines nice. that they said as yeah. their costume. They're basically like, I know who you are, and I know that you know who I am, but we're not going to literally say it. Well, that it, kind was, of a thing. it was. They had a conversation earlier as Batman and Catwoman. Where and Catwoman. Then, uh, Batman were dancing says. as Bruce and Selena. Right. They said the op- They each said the same thing, but they. One said the opposite, and the other said. They said each other's lines. They said so each other's right. lines, and it made them go, wait a minute. Yeah, because, <laughs> because Batman says mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. But yeah. a kiss can be deadly, and so, and Catwoman said, but a kiss can be deadlier if you mean it. <laughs> well, yeah. when they meet at the Shrek ball, Selena, you know, being all nervous, uh, you know, it's mistletoe. Like, can be med- can deadly if you, if you eat it. And, uh, but, you know, and Bruce is like, but uh, a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. And then <laughs> yeah. they both look at each other, and then I love the little, it's like, they look oh. around, and then they get even closer, like, we don't have to start fighting now, do we? Yeah, do we, <laughs> we have to start fighting now? No, no. You know, and, and it was, and th- th- there's that perfect moment of bonding. Yeah. Uh, I think usually removing the mask in a certain way is a trope. I have yet to see it be done as a cliche because it's yeah. hard. To it's hard to pull off right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's a that just speaks to how amazing of a job that Michelle Pfeiffer did in that role is where she managed she manages to both be such a badass and so vulnerable at the same time. Exactly. And that's exactly. so hard to do. Yeah. And and then when uh, they do it to a certain extent in the first in the first Batman, Batman Begins. You know, it's not what I do. It's you know, oh yeah, that's not what I do. that's a perfect that's a perfect example of the Batman Returns did it pretty well. 
Batman Begins, eh, it was a little on the nose, a little corny, especially when it's in bat voice and he needs <laughs> yeah. the lozenge desperately. Yeah. I mean, well, okay, Batman <laughs> Returns. You, Daniel, Batman <laughs> Returns, I, to my opinion, did it the best. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but We are running out of time, by the way. We've gone late two, week, uh, two weeks in a row. So. You might want to try and keep this one at time. <laughs> at time? How much time do we have? Like six minutes. I thought Let's ama- try and wrap things up. I thought Amazing Spider-Man's was kind of funny. It didn't involve actually removing a mask or anything. It was like she was flustered and tried to walk away, and he just, uh, out of costume, just web shot her and pulled her to him. And she's just like, wait, what? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, closing thoughts. Um... Uh, there's one that uh, didn't get mentioned that um, I have always liked, and that's the um, usually lovable mentor dying, and that uh, motivates the hero. Right. Like oh, Obi- yeah. Obi-Wan. Pops and Luke Cage. I'll be. Yeah. Uh, hello, I'll be your. Uh, uh, hello, I'll be your. Obi-Wan Kenobi for the episode. Yeah. I'll be your tragically. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be your tragically. Uh, I'll be your Obi-Wan, your Gandalf. Sort of, um, sort of. Well, that, that that's uh, a, and that is Jaga actually, and the Thundercats. Yeah. yeah, and that is actually part of the hero's journey. Right. And the mentor usually yeah. dies. That that is that that is actually worth mentioning. There is the ultimate super cliche, which is the, the concept journey. of the hero's journey with the, you know, and almost every one of the Campbell. things that we talked about, which goes back to Homer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and, how far that goes back. Well, yeah. the hero's journey. It, the the argument is that, that Joseph Campbell made is that it goes back to the dawn of time. time. Well, yeah. at least the the first story in which it became that, that kept going that was passed on, yeah. anyway, mm-hmm. more or less. Um, I feel like the last thing that's worth mentioning here is we talk about a lot about cliches and tropes. There is absolutely nothing wrong with them. Tropes are tools. Right. Right. Uh, cliches are perhaps something that is necessarily maybe. A bit more frequently done, something that people recognize as happening often, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have its place. Right. If cliche, every every tro- every cliche was once a trope, but not all tropes are cliches. Right. It's like rectangles and squares. Right. It's just that <laughs> cliches are badly used tropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's or nothing overused tropes. It's not, nothing inherently wrong with them. It's all about how you use them. Yeah. Right. And how frequently they're used. Right. <clears throat> Mike, you got any, any final thoughts? Uh, that pretty much sums it up, but uh, just as a fun little addition here, um, we talked a lot about movies as examples of these uh, tropes, of course, TV series too, but if we want to uh, talk about movies specifically, the ridiculous cliches in movie, modern movie trailers, like the whole, the like, world. yeah, of course there's the movie voice guy, which isn't as you know, prevalent anymore, but was for a while. That's because um, he died. Yeah, the original guy is gone, unfortunately. And he never actually said in a world, which was also interesting. Yeah. But uh, just a lot of the things they do in trailers where it's like, okay, they have a shot, they dramatically fade to black, and have another shot, and then dramatically fade to black. <laughs> and they have the whole like weird like Inception wah thing for no particular wah. reason. It's yeah. just like, wah. Inception wah. <laughs> I don't get they the see deal some, with that. Something is successful, so everyone else does. Yeah, yeah. There'll yeah. be there'll be these lame trends where they will just copy everyone else's trailer for like a year or two, and then they'll move on to the next trend. Or the trailer that spoils the big twist of the movie. But you don't know it until the end. <laughs> or the uh, <clears throat> they'll have like the um, they'll have the like dramatic 
line that implies some sort of cool scene like, if you're going to do something, do it now. And well, crap I like think that. it's time for the Jedi to end. Oh yeah. my yeah. god, Which, that's, that's pissing me off. The, the, the cryptic, melodramatic, out-of-context line, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's Don't worry, we'll those. talk about Star Wars when it comes out. Will yeah. he? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to come in an entire minute under time for y'all tonight. So, this has been Neil. Mike. The one true man. Wookie. And uh, next week on Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter V and the number 22. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast, or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media, sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. We read all of them. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by donating at our website, or at Patreon at patreon.com slash working theory. A final thought. Something attempting to be either poignant or funny at the end. <laughs>